0: Good. And in order to get new results in your life and things to really manifest in a completely different way, you have to accept that what you've been doing thus far will only serve you thus far. And the only way to move forward and to let anything new in is to accept that you don't know what you don't know. Welcome to the HTW podcast,
1: where your hosts Zoe Sakudis and Erica Haas. Founders of Blueprint Cleanse, the iconic juice brand that sparked a multi-billion dollar category. We bootstrapped, scaled and sold, and now we're moving on. We put down the juicer and picked up the mic to start a
2: conversation. We'll bring you behind the scenes information on leading brands and emerging ideas
1: in this rapidly evolving world of wellness. Every Wednesday, we chat with experts or entrepreneurs who help us cut through the noise to bring you information you can actually use. No shaming,
2: no guilt, just the cold pressed truth about real ways you can feel better mentally, physically, and
1: emotionally. And bonus, we even share our often humiliating personal experiences all in the name of your wellness journey. Clinical studies have shown that
2: writing five-star reviews improves mood and circulation. So if you like what you hear, give us some love
1: and share with a friend. Often irreverent and occasionally intuitive, consider us your navigators on the bumpy highway to well.
2: Let's talk about this thing that I feel like actually happened a lot for me this weekend. I think I was like observing, it might've been on the heels of our conversation with Karen that I was inspired. I don't know. I feel like I saw all of these examples of like, personal best this weekend. It was the Masters. I don't care about golf. I really try. Oh, right. I just, I can't. I don't care. But like Tiger Woods did.
1: Was Brian uh, watching it? Uh, yeah. I he was on all. He's into, okay, golf.
2: he's into golf. But yeah, a lot of shit has gone down for Tiger. He's had all these injuries. He's had back surgeries multiple times. His life kind of fell apart and he sort of taped it back together. And he went out there and he was literally, I mean, he was like the man that he was. Ten plus years ago, only even better because he's like a better version of himself. Which
1: was okay. Good for you, Tiger.
2: That part I really wasn't paying attention the whole time until like the last poll. and I was like, "This is you're watching history be made." It was. It was
1: important. Okay. Okay, I'm with you. I'm with you. But the other
2: thing was this movie, which is not even a new movie anymore. It won the Oscar for best documentary.
1: Yes, I remember watching that on the the um, Oscars. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, then, a, it's, a, it's a short... No, it's a full-length... It's a full-length yeah,
2: feature yeah. called Free Solo. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, I'm sitting here. My palms are sweating, thinking about it, watching this man who decided as a free solo climber, which for mountain non-mountain climbers means you climb without a harness, without a guide, without a rope. You're literally just... It's you on the mountain. And he decided that... You
1: and your your trusty fingers and toes, I That's guess. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Like
2: the 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 thumb, like it's like the size of a thumb some of these holds Yeah, and the size of a toe. And he said, eh, you know, I'm not going to be satisfied until I do a free solo climb on El Capitan.
1: Okay. I have other goals, but you know, less um, impressive. What drives someone to want to do that? I don't get it. Why do you want to do, like why... I understand the rush that you must feel when you get to the top, but uh is it worth the risk uh, of the life I mean, of the person? That's exactly what this movie like is about. So crazy. Is it worth it? Like
2: the filmmakers are standing there like, we love this guy. We've climbed with him and you know, filmed him for years and like we are conflicted about actually participating and observing and watching this experience through a camera because they don't want to see their Does friend die. Does he seem like a
1: sane person? Not really. Oh, okay. There you go. Uh, he's
2: Sane, but he definitely is wired differently than yeah. many. And actually, they even do an MRI and they show his brain scan. And his amygdala is What's different. What's your amygdala? It's your like your where your brain basically registers uh, stimulation. Oh, stimulation. Okay. And things that stimulate the normal, the average amygdala do absolutely nothing
1: for him. Like he, he, his brain is actually he is, wired he is just like a straight up a gentleman junkie. Yes, that's and, exactly right. Yeah. Okay. All right. This movie.
2: I, I can't even
1: like... He's finding um, great pleasure in this risk.
2: I sat there in the first two minutes watching the opening credits. I was like, I don't know if I could actually make it through this movie because I'm already in a total sweat.
1: And then how how did you feel when it ended? I
2: mean, I couldn't actually remember. Somebody had... We had learned about the movie sitting at dinner with Amy and she was telling us about it, but I couldn't remember how it ended. So I wasn't really sure which way it was going to go.
1: So, do you were you left with the feeling like I need to achieve something as grand and stupid as that? (laughs) (laughs) That's a good question.
2: As stupid and life-threatening, no uh, risky,
1: but it did feeling
2: riskier. Like both watching these things back to back was just like really, it was just kind of like this is all about people visualizing where they want to go and Uh. like starting from the end and working backwards. It's not about like stressing about every step along the way so much as like I see myself where I'm going to be. I see myself at the top of that mountain. I see myself holding this like master's trophy. And then it's just a matter of like putting one foot in front of the other to get there.
1: Right. Okay. I'm inspired. I'm going to watch it. Well, I I think that's good. I think visualization is very powerful it's so interesting that it's actually just very physically fulfilling a different part of his, you know like his make chemically like yeah. he is just different yeah so i get that goals are good and we should all strive. <laughs> but if, but we're if not your brain's all not actually wired, built that if way you're like chemistry is just not working that way does that give me permission to just be sort of an underachiever and i don't know i want someone to scan my brain but you are so not an underachiever no, I don't think I'm going to do it, but I should, it would just be interesting to see, like, yeah, what, sure. where where I get where I where what stimulates me. Yeah, I agree. It's I like agree. I see myself holding that bottle of mezcal. I'm going to get there. I find it super <laughs> stimulating.
2: I have faith in your ability to take it down.
1: I'm really excited by the risk and thrill of happy hour. <laughs> Love cheersing with friends. I think I can make you that happen. You're living on the edge of the toilet bowl. I'm not quite there. <laughs> not quite that far. Um, okay, so
2: on the topic of personal best, yeah. I think that brings us to our chat with Coach Karen, Karen Eldad.
1: Eldad. Why do I always say her name in like a Spanish, like Eldad? Well, she's Israeli. She's Israeli.
2: And I think also have part French. So there's like a yeah intonation in there. Eldad. Yeah. She's a superstar. She's a coach. She's my coach. Full disclosure.
1: Mm-hmm. Recent.
2: This is Recent. a very new
1: relationship it's for brand you. brand new. Um, and I, I I, love that you're having this new relationship. I, I think mean, it's super exciting. I can't wait to see it unfold. <laughs> it's unfolding
2: in real time, I think. Mm-hmm. She's an executive coach. She's a life coach. She's a Personal coach. She's a personal speaker. coach. She a personal does, coach. Yeah. yeah. She does a little bit of everything. Yeah. And I felt like she was really... Well, how did you feel coming out of that conversation? I felt like...
1: I mean, I'm excited for you guys to listen because she's really... Um, hey, she's just cool. And like, I was... For whatever reason, I was telling you earlier, I really, I always like, never met an Israeli I don't immediately fall in love with. Like it's there's true. something about like their personalities that just really clicks with me. Like Even, I like, get it. Even like our
2: friend from Summit that we met so many years ago. Yeah, like,
1: exactly. Men Two women. Israelis
2: that we read on that. Dude, show. I'm uh,
1: batting a hundred with Israelis. I wow. just love them. They're my people.
2: <laughs> Maybe that's how your brain is wired.
1: Maybe you I'm get gonna be stimulated, stimulated by like, the Israelis. I don't know what that is, but we're gonna find some kind of connection there. They're just like real. They're like tough. You know, salt of the earth. They, they all in the military. That's true. I know. And Greeks, like I'm. Greek, so maybe they all go in the military. Well, sort of. Um, anyway, not as but she, familiar so, okay, with the Greek army. Karen is great. You're gonna have a listen. She gives like a lot of. She just makes me feel very. She made me feel very empowered. Yeah, and she was a great reminder to just sort of like put my arms up and like do that victory power pose and try and you know imagine some things and really practice these tools of like visualization and everything else because they work. They do work. It's crazy. We get into it. She, she does her shit. i um, all day. Let's do it. Hey, partner. Hey, partner. You want to talk about our other partners? Wait, you have another partner other than me? There are a lot of partners in this relationship. Listen, if you want to open it up and... You know, invite people into the circle and have multiple partners, then totally down, <laughs> down.
2: Well, whether you are thirsty or hungry or just need to relax, there is actually something for everybody on our partners page, which is at htwpodcast.com.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We got a lot of brands on there that we love and who are in return showing you some love with up to 25% off when you use the discount codes under our, you guessed it, partners, partners page. page. So, we've got
2: products like Cure Hydration, which is a hydration drink mix that is actually more hydrating
1: than an IV drip that and made with real ingredients. Crazy. Yeah, that is totally crazy. And we've got Hungry Root, which is another amazing brand healthy, ready to eat, convenience foods that are delivered straight to your door. We both subscribe and are longtime users and lovers. And speaking of using,
2: we've got Daily Habit, which is a CBD uh, coconut-based powder that you can put into your tea or your smoothie or your coffee or whatever <sighs> you need to just chill the F out,
1: mm-hmm. which I think we all often need to do. Mm-hmm. And so again, please go to hwpodcast.com slash partners to check out all of the amazing brands that we love, many more than we just mentioned, and you'll get some amazing discounts along the way. Check it out, guys. Okay, I think we're ready to um, just dive right in. Hey. We have our fir- feet planted firmly on the ground. We're sitting like superstars to welcome
2: the leader of all superstars, Karen Eldad. Erica, you are too generous. Thank you. I'm getting I'm getting pretty good with my intros, right? Yeah. That's not actually even that generous. I generous. think it's very
0: generous. Thank you so much. And thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to meet you guys. Yeah. Thanks for coming over.
2: We're so happy to have you because we want you to share your wisdom about how everybody can um, I guess, love, live, and lead with enthusiasm, or <laughs> whichever one you choose. Have you been practicing, Erica? Um no,
1: not really practicing, but well, yeah, I guess a little bit. I've been, I've been internalizing the work that we do. Okay. Should we do some disclaimers now? You guys have been, uh, you've had we have, a few sessions.
0: We have a relationship. It's true. Yeah. I'm an executive and personal coach and Erica was referred to me by a mutual friend and we started working together not four weeks ago. Not four weeks ago. And have you started to feel the effects in your life? I have.
2: <laughs> yeah. I do. Yeah. I mean, I I mean, it's, Now I feel like you're putting me on the spot or I'm putting me on the spot, but I feel like the work that we've been doing, I've noticed um, a difference. I think I explained it to you once before. There are these, I just have more like feelings of clarity and it's like a weird clarity that I have not experienced before where I just, I feel like I can tap into something that is not necessarily... I'm not explaining myself well. You are. I think thoughts and feelings feel more clear. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why they would have felt not clear before, but I just feel like I have a better sense of myself and what feels real and where I want to go with my life and with my career. and. I'm not saying I have all the answers, but I feel like I'm getting closer to understanding myself better, even yeah. just in the last month. That yeah. we've well, that's been.
0: the entire goal. The entire goal is to get to know yourself better. And hopefully what we'll do in this conversation is make sure that everybody listening here can gain the exact same benefits as quickly and as swiftly as you, because everybody wants Maybe that. Maybe not quite as quickly and swiftly, because I'm invested. I know, I know. Okay,
1: but let's start. Maybe we start. What is the difference between a career coach and a life coach? And where do you sit?
0: I don't really love the term career coach because career coaches are generally the ones who help you button up your resume and wear polyester and uh, teach you how to do the skill set based um, tactics that will possibly land you a better job or a better paying job. That's a very, very narrow definition. An executive and personal coach are actually very, very closely related. And in particular, an executive coach, though they are or we are dealing with corporate teams or people in a corporate environment must go through mindset work for it first, which means that it completely overlaps with personal coaching. Personal coaching is teaching you to master yourself. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. You can't really teach anybody leadership before teaching them how to master themselves. So they go hand in hand. And that's why I still work with people on a personal level. And I still believe that mindset hacks, which by the way, translate to absolutely everything in your life, will, will be the only foundation into proper leadership. So how do you start? So what is step one with the with the mindset?
1: I mean, that seems so daunting to me. Like, I know. Oh my God. I feel like I could spend just a solid year working on getting my mindset right. Uh, um, yeah, I think you're probably good. Cleaning that up. I think a year. Everybody could. It's a, a wonderful thing,
0: but you don't need a year. You need seven to 14 weeks. And uh, <laughs> I, I can guarantee it because I've created a method that is based on saving you an enormous amount of time. It took me four years. And after four years, I started to understand that people like us, and particularly people like the ones listening, who are natural superstars, meaning we are more focused or more disciplined than the majority of the people out there. We are usually people who are accomplished in many ways in life. We need to be coached in a very different way. And it's a little bit more abrasive on one hand, but I also think it's rather loving And accepting of the way we are naturally rather than the rest of the world. And to answer your question, step one is this. Accept that you don't know what you don't know. Oh, I know someone who used to love to say that. (laughs) Kathy Farley, I'm going to give you a shout out. (laughs) That's awesome. I was just going to say my mother. The reason uh, this one is so critical and so fundamental is because especially in the case of superstars, most people are just walking through life and they don't know why it doesn't feel so good to them. They don't know why either something is actually tangibly not working out or they don't know why you're 45 years old. You've got everything. You're supposed to be really happy, but you're not bouncing off the walls all the time. And in order to get new results in your life and things to really manifest in a completely different way, you have to accept... That what you've been doing thus far will only serve you thus far. And the only way to move forward and to let anything new in is to accept that you don't know what you don't know. This was super, super hard for me. I'm Israeli. We're right first and then we can walk backpedal after. But when I started to learn that you have to move with humility and with the understanding that you can always still learn something new around here. It was a game changer for me. Yeah. So,
2: okay. So let's, I would like to start there and then we can kind of dive in. But where? how did you arrive at all of this? How did, you, like, how did you start into coaching? You haven't always been a coach. You said this method took you four years. So what was the moment for you that kind of opened up for you and you said, this is now where I need to go? And in some ways it's very meta because sure. I feel like you kind of had to turn it on yourself and maybe you had a coach and so...
0: How did you get where you are? Yeah, I love that question. You know, it's funny. Almost nobody ever asks you, how did you end up here? Really? Yeah, Nobody asks you that? No, they ask about my job. They ask me about tips that I can give for mindset that they don't ask about your personal story. So I'm going to tell you my personal story because it's really good. (laughs) It's really good. When I was 35 years old, I know... Uh, for the listeners out there, that I look was like 12. six months it's ago. Like shocking, yeah. I obviously look 32. <laughs> um, when I was 35 years old, I had everything that I ever wanted. I had become a C level executive at 31. I was making well, well into six figures. I was married to a guy who was six foot tall, had no chest hair. These are very big goals in life. A lot of boxes. Living in a huge home, overlooking a lake. Everything was spectacular. And I was just miserable. My life just didn't feel good to me. I didn't know what was wrong. I didn't understand why it was so wrong. And I was actually, and I say this as one of the leading suicide counselors in the country, I was actually suicidal. I really didn't understand any way out of this other than to just end this already. So I'm in the shower listening to- But what did you want to end? What was the- It was miserable. Nothing felt good to me. Nothing was satisfying. My marriage was absolutely miserable. I was sleeping in the library for six months. Mm. My job was absolutely going nowhere because I didn't even care if I got a promotion or not. It just wasn't what I wanted to do. You're stagnant. I, I thought- I remember how did I end up here and why am I not happy? I technically got everything I've always wanted. Well, everything on
2: paper was what other people would look at you wanting, but that doesn't necessarily equate. And so you were, I mean, you were depressed,
0: you were... I was really, really depressed. I was frustrated. I was anxious and I started to ask really big questions. And that's when I turned to what had until then seemed unacceptable to me, which was the world of self-help. Mm. The woo woo stuff. (laughs) I picked up uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen R. Covey. I remember that actually completely shifted my world. I decided to get divorced. I I moved through the divorce very swiftly. I got deeper and deeper into the study. And what ended up happening was I collected first the entire. I have a question. What yeah. did your husband? What was his response when you
2: were like, I read this book and now I want to
0: divorce? No, I wanted oh, to divorce I... him for many other reasons. It had <laughs> nothing to do with the book. So he was not totally taken by surprise that this was like... All men are taken by surprise when you tell them that you want to get divorced. Yeah. This is a phenomenon. 75%, I think, of divorces are initiated by women and it always is met by surprise. That's an adorable trait of men. But... <laughs> <laughs> In general, this had nothing to do with it. He was very lucky that I read that book because we, he allow, we, it allowed us to have a gracious and, and nice separation, a conscious uncoupling, mm-hmm. if you will. Mm-hmm. Either way, all the systems start to collapse. And this is when I start getting much deeper and self-helpery. And as with all obsessions, I'm sure this happened to you guys too before you started Blueprint. You just realize that you're living and breathing this and it's not at a normal human level. And at that point, I started to ask myself, what if I do this for a living? And if I did do this for a living, how would I do it? And how would I be different? And what kind of person would I serve? And that's the creation of the With Enthusiasm method for superstars.
1: With? enthusiasm with enthusiasm i'm divorcing you with enthusiasm
0: <laughs> indeed
2: <laughs> what um and you mentioned also that you're a suicide counselor is that something that has been was a part of the experience before yeah. or since you kind of had this awakening moment
0: well it was the trigger so as all the system started to collapse a bunch of other stuff happened i'm sure everybody out there knows that when one system goes down usually a lot of other crap happens in your life so yes, i also I'm lost my business that. partnership and i lost my apartment and then both both of my cats died. I don't have any children. So this was a huge deal. Oh. And when the cats died, I did what any Jewish girl would do. I went to the Hamptons to reflect upon my life. <laughs> and as I sat there gazing upon the infinity pool, it came to me. I was going to go back into suicide counseling. I was a, I'm was Israeli. So I was in the army for a couple of years. And while I was in the army, I was a suicide counselor. I was very, okay. very effective. And so I went back. I joined Crisis Text Line. and. Uh, that's it. I do 500 calls a year now, so. You still do 500 I calls a year? still do, yeah. That's
1: amazing. Wow. And so how how were you selected during the Army or did you volunteer? Volunteered. You did.
2: So you, over those four years, developing your method, like what were you doing? You were working with coaches and attending? Yeah. Okay.
0: I, I took 26 different coaches and I mean... Like from Tony Robbins to Gina DeVee to Jensen Chero, people who are super famous and very greatly in price. I tried the online prices and I uh, the online coaching pro- programs and the in person coaching programs mm-hmm. and you know with every single one of them, you learn more, but you learn also what you don't want, what doesn't work on you, the kind of coaching that is not suitable for a person who's already a natural overachiever and uh, I started creating my own method mm-hmm. literally just for myself and in what sequence I would learn this and then i decided to launch a coaching program not kidding you i wasn't thinking like huge business plan or anything like that i created a couple of online programs i posted them in december of 2016 and i sold out i had six private spots available cuz i had a day job i had six private spots available i was sold out within a day and that was the that was the beginning of everything and who do you
1: do you see Anyone, or do you have sort of parameters? Yes. Yeah. Okay. What? So, how do you decide who to? And this accept? is,
0: com- of course, Zoe. that's become refined as as you grow. As you grow with any business, you get to know your audience better. So, if in the beginning I thought that I was as bubbly as a glass of champagne and appeal to absolutely everyone, today I know that I'm seriously intense and the material is heavy. And if you're not naturally uh, attuned to doing the work, mm-hmm. and you're not interested in doing the work, you're probably not the right fit for me. Um, I am looking for people who are either entrepreneurial or at the top of their game in their own businesses and in their own lives and people who are truly ready to make a shift. And you can assess for that. You can also consult and look for a person who's really ready.
1: That's so funny to hear you say that because... You would think that the people who are truly at the top of their game and
0: kind of in this position, they don't need your services, right? Sure. But Olympic athletes, bar none, have coaches. And so do all the biggest superstars in the world, including Warren Buffett. In fact, that's the big difference, right? If a person is really a superstar, they almost always have help, mentors, and coaches. But the person who's broke and somehow their life is going nowhere, they're the ones who think, no, I can figure this by myself. Well, you know what? I reached a place in my life where I didn't know what I didn't know and could really use some help around here and could admit that I could really use some help around here and it changed my life. And that's exactly the point that I'm making about coaching. You got to really look for that mindset of growth, that mindset of humility that, you know what, I came this far. I want to go the distance. Can you help me? Well,
2: and I think that that, I mean, it ties back to what your original first point was about not knowing what you don't know. And I think it also ties in a lot to what we, you know, talk about with the entrepreneur mindset and, something I think that was very, at least I would like to believe, was very kind of intrinsic to us in the early stages of Blueprint, which is like, or not even early stages, even like middle stages where we're like, okay, we've got a groove here. Like things are moving along, but we're not going to make any bold statements about how we know everything here. And we're still, you know, we constantly remain open to having people that know more than us and surrounding ourselves with people that know more than us coming in and saying, okay, this is great and you guys have this to a certain point, but have you thought about it this way? Which I would say nine times out of 10 would say, okay, that's actually super helpful because anytime you're operating in a vacuum, it's impossible to see 360 degrees around you. So, I mean.
0: Well, you said something really big there because most people assume that the key to leadership or the key to success is perseverance, which is a hideous word. (laughs) So is grit. (laughs) It's at Why most, don't you like? First of words? all, it's about passion, not about perseverance. You shouldn't just stick to something because you stick to something. Yeah. But the real key, I think, to success that I have seen with my superstars, I've coached hundreds of people privately by now, is humility. Mm-hmm. And by humility, I don't mean, oh, no, no, I'm not as awesome as you think I am. I'm the first person to tell you how awesome I am. <laughs> what I mean is the humility to know that you can always still learn something around here, that mm-hmm. there is something around the bend, that there is something that's still unseen to you, that other people do know, what they're doing too. And when you start to do that, you really move very freely.
1: Yeah. I did. a I had a stint too. Some disclosure last year. I did a bit of career coaching.
0: Cool. And but for the same reason.
1: Career or executive, if we're going to draw the difference. Exactly. Basically, I think it's along the lines of what we're talking about. You know, Great. however, yeah. whatever the title was, it was very much an overlap of what am I doing with my life? How am I going to do it? How do I see myself? How do others see me? What are my true skills? Mm-hmm. Like, why do I have this feeling that uh, why am I second-guessing myself? You know, all of these sort of doubts that creep in. I mean, I think I was definitely having a full-on identity crisis. Mm And so I think a lot of people have post whatever career ends, or, you know, especially if you're an entrepreneur and you sell your business, et cetera. So there was definitely, there was a lot of, there was a lot of humility there. I think there was, uh, you know, no false humility, which is my worst, most, horrible trait in a person. I think it was really just like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I don't really know which direction I want to go. And I'm doubting what my real skills are. And I'm mm. also doubting how others perceive I was my, about say, and me and my
2: skills. That layer on top is like, and then people around me have this expectation or this yeah. image of me and who I am right. based on what I've done.
1: So yeah, I mean that's why I mean that's why I went. And it did was Did it help you? It did help me. I think there's good. at the very least, it's good to have someone who is objective, right, yeah. objectively can look at you and say, okay, you know, maybe you're selling yourself short, or maybe you're a little overconfident, <laughs> Or, you know, maybe your fear is coming from this. Like, I don't know. There's, a,
0: there's, a, there's so much to kind of unpack. There's an enormous amount to talk about just in that sentence alone. Yeah. But you're right. One of the big tenets or the big basic benefits of coaching is support and accountability. At very least, you're speaking to a person who is trained to see your blind spots from a mile away yeah. and can present all the scenarios that you can work through. And also help you to reach a clearer perspective. Because here's the problem. The doubt is not the problem. The problem is that you're buying into the doubt. If you can just accept that there's another way to see it, as useful to you, as something that's pointing you in a different direction, etc., you can actually use it. It's Mm -hmm. not the problem. And if you have somebody by your side who's understanding of this and has seen this enough times, they can very gently just show you that the door is open. You're just not looking at it. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: So what do you think is the number one thing that trips people up? Like, why can't people walk through the door? Thank you for asking. I love that question as well. Well, there are many things that trip us up and they're just very, very basic human needs or human emotional needs. But the number one thing that affects superstars is status or validation. Mm -hmm. The need Mm -hmm. for other people to be cool with what we're doing in our life. By the way, your identity crisis as a successful entrepreneur who now has to reinvent herself and has to hit the success of the past, You don't owe yourself anything. You probably like yourself enough to know that Zoe is cool no matter what she does with her future. She has killed it and grilled it. She's rocking the motherhood. She's the best lady she knows. But... Oh, gee. If I don't launch a company that is at least as successful as the last one, what will the village elders say? And a lot of us live that way. A lot of us stay with the, the spouse that just looks good on paper. A lot of us stay with the job that's just the right job and won't take a risk on doing what we really truly love because what will other people say? And by the way, you think this hasn't affected me too? I used to be a corporate Par excellence, as in I was the head of marketing for IWC, a billion-dollar company. Today, I'm speaking actually for the same group in just an hour. And when before they accepted me in my new iteration as a coach, they had to see me branch off and start making cheesy videos on YouTube (laughs) where I was talking to people about happiness. Do you think that they immediately said, oh, congratulations, good for you? Or do you think that some people called me and said, honey, are you okay? Do you need any money? Because let me tell you, it was option B. (laughs) And I had to be completely okay with that, with the judgment of my parents who didn't even understand what coaching is, with the judgment of people on dates because I was dating at the time saying what the hell is a coach and so on and so forth. And if you can break through that, Mm -hmm. just that, just the need for external validation or for applause you will start moving much much more comfortably through your life.
1: It's very true I have to say because with blueprint and I you know not that we have to bring everything back to blueprint no, but, but that's the context but it was a career path that was very unusual mm-hmm. and I think that was a moment in time when I ha- I could give two shits what anybody thought. I was just like and if you could imagine at the time this is before you know juicing or cleansing or anything I mean, we, we sort of in, introduced that concept. You know, just trying to explain to people what I was doing was like, Mm -hmm. I'm like, um, formulate. I'm just testing this idea. I want people to go on a juice fast for like, like you want them to pay you sixty five or whatever it is dollars a day to not eat. Like exactly. And you know, and it just how ridiculous and it's absurd. It sounds so absurd, but at the time, I really did not care, and I think that was such a huge part of the success. Mm -hmm. Was that like. You just kind of right continue you're forward. focused
2: on what you believe in and what everyone else yeah. believes is completely irrelevant, right because and you unf- loved
0: it, yeah, because you actually loved it more than you loved uh, the fear
2: right, well, yeah. and I think that's a big piece of this too now is like having the you know yes, hindsight is twenty twenty but hindsight also is kind of a because it gives you like the, the whole concept of being blissfully ignorant I think is actually really valuable yeah. and once you have something
0: to compare unless you to- can learn to be blissfully ignorant well, and you right. can also learn to tune your focus right okay so let's talk about the first tool you don't know what you don't know the second tool is when you've decided that you really love something you're gonna have to learn how to tune out the rest of the world as in shut down the buzz kills if you can't work through the negative voices in your own head at the very least Stop listening to the voices in everybody else's head because here's the deal. Those people who are saying to you, you want people to pay $65 to not eat, are only speaking for their own experience, their own uncleansed, unpracticed experience. Now, there's nothing wrong with their perspective. They they get to own it. They get to have it. They get to live with it. But yours is valid too. And if you've decided this is what you care about, go do it. That's the second tool. Do it anyway. Silence the voices. What's the third tool? Oh there's so many
2: <laughs> well, I think something that I think plays into and obviously we're talking mostly about the executive line here, but I feel like something that's applicable to whether we're talking about life lessons or relationships or or business has to do with this idea of of what you believe and trying to kind of um, mm-hmm. eradicate you know beliefs as ideology and really sort of just change these beliefs that tend to limit
0: you, right? Sure. But, you know, there's there's an inherent problem in calling them beliefs because the beliefs automatically go to ideology, right? And people really believe that this is a blueprint that they have to live with. These are my beliefs. Such right. a big word. It's like purpose. It's a huge word. Why don't you just break it down to thoughts I'm used to thinking? Right. If are thoughts that you're used to thinking, you can absolutely change them. Nothing will happen if you challenge them other than you will become much, much happier. So if your life doesn't feel good to you in any respect, and I can guarantee you that a CEO who's choosing their position or hanging on to their position from that sense of status as in, I just need the validation and I've got to stay in this particular line of work because this is the kind of work that gives me a sense of value, it's also the kind of person who marries somebody for a sense of value. And they trap themselves in more and more beliefs. And the belief that is lingering underneath or the thought that they're thinking that is screwing everything up is I'm not worthy of doing what I actually truly want. I don't deserve a life that feels genuinely good to me. I have to acquiesce to the standards of my perceived society or peers. And that's something that will screw you every single time. Okay. So what do you think about this
1: idea? So so we all have things that we're good at, right? I mean, we are just Maybe naturally skilled in some areas, and uh, there's no denying it. And so we kind of go down that path, career path, but it's not necessarily something that brings us joy. So how do you kind of reconcile these mm-hmm. two things if the, the the maybe your trade or whatever your skill is is not something that you necessarily want to do to earn money, um, but it might be at this moment in time the
0: one thing that will earn you. Then you can do it. You could just do it as a piggybacking platform. But you have to have the audacity to go for what you really care about. Harvard has done a great study. They've done millions of pretty good studies. I I quote them all the time because they're enormously involved in the mindset world. But one of the great studies has been called The Dark Horse Project. There's even a book that just came out this year about it. The Dark Horse Project. The Dark Horse Project uh, followed the lives of exceptionally successful people who chose really unusual career paths like yoga instructors who became famous and rich, and dog walkers who created really vital and vibrant businesses. Here's the difference between them. Yes, all superstars know that they're very talented and all superstars also know that they're not just talented at one thing, they're talented at seven things, maybe even at 10 things. But the secret for the dark horse is that they only focus on what they really truly love, inspired to do, rather than motivated to do. Mm -hmm. Now, I understand that in the shifting process, when you're trying to move from one career to the career of your dreams, you may need to piggyback, as in you you will still continue to earn money from that which you just do well and earns you money. I did it myself, all entrepreneurs I coach. I really recommend with all my heart, if you're not extremely wealthy, get a day job, focus on how much you can pedal into the business and move forward. But you must, ultimately, to succeed in the long run, you must only do what you truly care about. Follow your bliss is your way and your ticket to not just living a happy life, it's to being really successful. Nobody becomes really successful doing something that they find dreary, period, the end. So how do we, so how do you talk about success and happiness? I think they are one and the same. Are they the same? Yes. In fact, Thank you for asking, Zoe, the my welcome. upcoming book. <laughs> That's what I'm here to do. Oh, I yeah, to with you. The, my upcoming book is called The Superstar Paradox. It's called The Superstar Paradox because it describes the paradox of why success is not making you happy and what you can do about it. And it's because people are doing it backwards. They believe if I get success, I will be happy. Mm-hmm. Or if I get X, I will be happy. And you got to do it backwards. If I get happy… Right. I will get success. And that's the problem. If you're not conditioned to already look for happy all the time, work through your mindset to get for happy all the time, you're not getting there. Right. And by the way, everything you want, all that success, why do you think you want it? To be happy. I want to be happy. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. I heard what it. do you
0: think people want the money for? Some people are like, no, to eat. No, you no. think that eating will make you happy. Or what do you need the, the, the boyfriend for? Well, to be happy. That's what you're looking for. So yep. if you can get happy first, I guarantee it'll come much, much faster. I heard a really good quote on happiness. Actually, just last night, I was
1: listening to this podcast and sort of talking about the same same stuff. I'm sure you've heard this before. Happiness is the joy you feel when you're moving toward your potential. Mm-hmm. Isn't that just like so... Okay, now you're going to... I feel like she's not going to like this quote.
0: No, I like it. I just like the words moving towards, not your potential. Yeah. Because your potential moving. is a condition. If you remove that, happiness is what you feel when you're moving toward. That's, that's basically it.
2: Yeah. 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 I was going to ask if you are in that sense, do you equate happiness and joy?
0: I think think they're they're the same thing. In fact, I also think that satisfaction is too. Erica, you've known me for a while now. You also know that I have a naturally bouncy personality. I really am like this. (laughs) But most people are not like this. Most people can feel satisfaction. And if a person has practiced misery for a very long time, many people have, many people have negative patterns of thought or very anxious, then even relief is very good. Don't go for what's unattainable and particularly if you've been very crabby for a while happy is not available to you but that's not that's not a bad thing you can still get to soothing you can still get to relief and finally if you get to satisfaction we're very happy
1: it's kind of similar to to um to happiness and well i mean there's a difference between like pleasure is not the same as happiness, right? No, it's ephemeral. The the same thing that things that bring you pleasure will not necessarily bring you happiness. Mm -hmm. Depends
0: on what degree. You do a lot of things that are very pleasurable or pleasure all the time. I promise you, you'll be very happy. But I (laughs) guess that's
2: where I maybe say I think of happiness and joy as two different things because I think that you can do these pleasurable things that make you happy, but I feel, feel like joy is almost more of like a state Whereas happiness is yeah. kind of a moment. Well but I think maybe but it's if just you understand semantics. that they're
0: related, you yeah. stop separating them. You know, the biggest criticism I get is, Karen, what's your life about? And I always say to have fun. Really? You really think that this is just about having fun? Yeah, I do. It's just, yeah, who's going to push back on is that? that? Well, a lot Who of people do. Back no, it's hard work. No, I need to earn. No, you have to suffer enormously in order to make through it. A lot of people think that, you know, the suicide counseling is about this form of altruism where I'm just about the sacrifice of it all. What are you talking about? I wouldn't do this for years, years if I didn't think that this was gratifying and fun and exhilarating in lots of different ways. Now, if you decide to dedicate your life, just watch what happens. Today, I'm going to have a good day. I'm going to enjoy everything I do today. I'm going to only do stuff I enjoy. The stuff I don't enjoy, I'm going to start learning how to automate and delegate. And if at all possible, start to avoid or at least become cognizant of it. This is not my favorite thing. You will start to live a rich and very different life. And yes, it is possible.
1: Amen. I buy, I, buy. I I totally agree. It's like, you know, and I think the older you get and the more you sort of get in touch with your own mortality, I think concepts like this become very... Uh,
0: you could buy into them maybe a little bit more easily. Like, well, it doesn't
2: cost you anything to just try to change your thinking even for a day.
0: Actually, yeah. it becomes more and more critical because the negative patterns of thought actually do cause disease in our body. And I think we all want to live a long and healthy life. And it, just as you can bring toxic materials into your life, chemicals and gluten, or whatever the thing of the day is, you can also start poisoning your body with your toxic thoughts or repetitive patterns of thought that are not serving you, like negativity and judgment and anxiety and patience, impatience, which is a really, really big problem for millennials. Yeah, Those are practiced ways of thinking, and you're absolutely right. If we do start to consider our mortality. The first thing that's going to happen is we'll be more attuned to our mindset and our well-being. But the second thing is there is nothing serious going on around here. You'll start to understand that there is nothing too big here. We can deal with this. You're supposed to enjoy every single day. We only get one go around here. And when we start to understand that, you can really start to make the choice, the rational choice to be happy.
1: I mean, yeah, it sounds so obvious. But when you start thinking about things like (laughs) putting them in life or death terms, sort Mm -hmm. of like you are going to die and it just sort of forces you to ask obviously the bigger question of just like, what is the point? What, what do I, you know? To have fun. Yes. It's like, it's so you know,
0: Zoe, do you want to know why people would still rather think negative thoughts?
1: Yeah, because I do it myself. I mean, this is the sort so why, of, this why is challenge. So why would you be such
0: a crazy person? Why would you still think unhappy thoughts?
1: Because it's, comfortable. Yes, exactly. very, very familiar. familiar Because most to me. people
0: would prefer to feel negative emotion than to feel nothing. And most people would prefer to feel negative emotion than to take a chance on actually trying to feel better for themselves. It's 100% true. It is practiced and it is learned. And as a cognitive behavioral therapy specialist, I can tell you through case studies and through my personal experience, there is nothing that cannot be turned around if you are willing to turn around. So why are people so
1: afraid to feel happy? I mean, is it just because it it's the unknown and it, it makes you somehow and makes you vulnerable. vulnerable
0: and, Maybe. I think it's because yeah. you're so trained. We are also trained to do an enormous amount of work to get what we deserve, quote unquote. We've, we're trained so conditionally as children that negative emotion is a, a manifestation of you working really, really hard to live your life and to get your stuff and, and so on and so forth. Whereas happy is pretty simple. And happy is living in a very very simple way, and people just don't like to accept that it can be that easy. <laughs> That's the big philosophical answer, but you can probe it any which way. I well, assure right. you, you reach that. You could
2: make the argument that living that way that that sense of happy feels like it's it's not substantial. That there's no yeah. substance there. That there's no grit. That there's exactly. no. It's not earned. That it's something that you you know you don't necessarily that it just feels very thin and and, and artificial. Mm-hmm. But I think that you know, something, there's something to be said and, you know, the work that we've done and some of the readings and and videos, like just that power of thinking about things, you know, just choosing to think about it differently one day. And you kind of, you kind of ingrain in yourself. Um, it has to do with, and I come back to this a lot because I feel like this has been really important for me just in my, you know, it, it, my emotional and, and, and mental kind of awareness journey for a while now is like this concept of the story that you tell yourself, right? The story that you tell yourself about how you've gotten to be where you are. And then also the story that you tell going forward. And the more you repeat a story, as we know, the more it kind of becomes true to, yeah. you know, certainly to you, but then to other people around you. So if you tell a different story
0: that is, you know, it's, it's gotta be based in truth. No, you could tell the exact same story, just tell it from a different perspective. Right. How it's serving you versus how it's screwing you over. You're exactly right. One of the most interesting things that you see in coaching is like this need to justify where we are and this need to work very, very, very hard. I, I get it. I was like that too. That's why I am an overachiever. But you know, this is a great place to add a disclaimer. Do you think that happiness just happens? No, I need to teach you how to do that. I taught myself how to do that. And it's about clarity of focus and practice. It's as simple as that. Yeah, it sounds so
1: just outrageous to tell someone
0: (laughs) that you can just simply choose joy, right? Like just choose happiness. But that's the point. It is within your power. If you say that to somebody who's really miserable, they're going to turn on you and commit suicide. And you really, believe me, I'm not sitting on the suicide hotline going, why can't you just get happy? Yeah. It's so easy. (laughs) Turn on an episode of Frasier. You'll be fine in five seconds. No. Instead, you really have to meet them where they are and teach them how to get there and find the empowerment or the power inside them to turn that around. Once you do learn it, if you practice it, you're going to get there every single time. That's why this work is so valuable. Okay. So I have a
2: question that pertains less to happiness and more to down this conversation around like success and achievement. And this is something that we talked about a little bit, but you know, this notion of if you visualize what you want and you create this focus and you see it as clearly as day and you focus on it every single day and every single minute, then eventually it is, it are, it already is yours. It's just a question of how you get there, right? So, and I believe that principle. However, the caveat is when you watch a documentary like Fire Festival, yes. for example. So here's an example of, a dude who was like, I see what I want. It's already mine. And basically convinced all of his investors and all of these people out there that what he wanted, which was like this ridiculous music festival filled with no one that was actually real and a lot of money that would just go into his pockets and serve no good. He got those things to some degree. Yeah. He got the money anyway. He certainly didn't get the the actual achievement of producing yeah. the event because it fell apart in the dumpster fire that was fire festival. But I, I'm asking about him as an example of like how do you how do you tell one person, you know, focus on what you want and you will get it. And then you tell this guy the same thing, but it's for very dark it's like dark arts.
0: Erica, are you aware of who the president of the United States is? Well,
2: yes, exactly. Yeah. So
0: that's- Yesterday in the Israeli election, Netanyahu won for the fifth time. It's exactly the same animal. Imagine if Trump had just won for the fifth time. Believe me, I too would be climbing on the walls. Yes, that is the power of manifestation. But there's a very important caveat here. Number one, the real question is, Karen, if I'm visualizing so strongly, why isn't it working out for me and works out for these jackasses? And that's the most important question to ask because so many people out there are doing the visualization exercise. They watch The Secret. They want their stuff. I have had this house on my vision board for 10 years. Where's my house? Here's why. The reason is it comes down to the clarity of the difference between knowing that you're going to get something and hoping that you're going to get something. These are two very, very different vibrations. And I hope that it'll work out. I really wish that it'll work out. If you just close your eyes and feel what it feels like to hope that you get your stuff and then open your eyes, let it go, close your eyes again, and then know what it feels like to get your stuff. You, like most people, will kinetically feel differently, meaning your muscle response will be very different. Knowing is a very big difference from hoping. Now, the universe can hear the difference. The universe knows the difference between you kind of hope you get away with it versus I know that this is, I got this and it's done. Now let's talk about the fire Festival guy and let's talk about Donald Trump and let's talk about why ultimately most people who do have the crazy law of attraction uh, appearance working for them do not in the long run succeed. And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, history has not completely closed on these guys. 40 years in terms (laughs) of history is even a very, very small period of time. Let's watch how this plays out. It never ends well. And historically it never ends well. And that's because they are operating from fear. They're not operating from love. They're operating from a scared place. When you're operating from a scared place, what's coming out of their mouths is not knowing. It's bravado. Bravado does not believe itself. None of us have it in us to really be that destructive. We're just not. You're you're right. Trump is probably extremely convinced of his beliefs, but he, in his deepest heart of hearts, knows that he feels deeply unworthy. And we know that, we know that just because he's been married several times. He tweets at three o'clock in the morning. It's just not the behavior of a person who's happy and joyful and relaxed. And so all I say is watch this play out. Just like fire, just like Theranos, these things mm-hmm. are, have a shelf life. Oh, and Theranos. you know what the most important thing about that is? If you do say, well, you know what, whatever, he's still doing something right. I'm going to do it the way he does. Okay, but it's not going to feel good to you. And a journey that doesn't feel good to you cannot end well. So.
1: Adding on to that, and it's funny that you think, you know, you sort of present that as those examples as people who have succeeded. They they saw it and they got it. Well, Theranos didn't get it. Fire festival guy, he didn't, he never got it. They got really, really close. And then and they got they the failed. trappings of it and
0: they
2: got the and shit that's on paper,
0: mm-hmm. right? So, yeah, I mean, my question now is just like, what is... But you have to that? ask yourself, what is that success even? Let's even talk about when she was on the cover of the Theranos lady of Forbes and she was like, I don't know, 30 years old and everybody was lauding her. Do you know what that must have felt like deep inside? How horrible that feels when you know that your life is a fraud? Well, I don't know if she believed. I think yeah, that she might at just that be level, Ill. I think at
1: that point, maybe in time, she... She kind of thought there was going to be a way out. But my point, so as I, so I started talking about something else, but my question was actually going to be on what level is self sabotage at play here? And how often are people just sabotaging themselves? And where does that come from? Because I think that behavior is so common. And I think that there was an element of self sabotage in like Fire Festival, in Theranos. And like, they, they did, did, was there something going on in their back brain where they were like, I don't actually want to be successful.
2: Well, I in think this. that's what plays into what you were saying earlier about fear. Which I mean, sure. that's what I find is interesting. But that's the
0: manifestation that's going to happen in spite of whether you're self sabotaging or not. As in, you're 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 talking about that natural tendency of a murderer to return to the scene of his crime, yeah, and to get caught. I don't believe that. That said, you need to understand self sabotage in a, in a more empathetic way, which is. None of us do things that are harmful to us or to others for a bad reason. It's 100% the truth. And I I say this as someone who's even worked with homicidal people, and they're the least likable of all people (laughs) in categories of people. But they're super fun. (laughs) They're really not, actually. That's the only category that I believe is very, very difficult. But in general, even they are trying to soothe something within themselves. A person never picks up a cigarette thinking, you know what would be fun? Cancer. They really are trying to calm themselves down. They're trying to keep their weight down. They're trying to fit in with a society. You're always doing the self-sabotaging thing from a place that is trying to get a good benefit for yourself or to try to soothe yourself. So that's really what's maneuvering you. The reason that's finite for people like Theranos and Fire is because ultimately they end up damaging so much around them that the systems must collapse. They're standing on a deck of, on a house of cards. Mm -hmm. It's just not sustainable. So- My recommendation in this case is to let it go and watch what happens. Karma is karma and the universe, the laws of the universe, I always say they are always fair. So they end up working whether you like it or not. You don't have to lift a finger. The most important thing you can do for your life is ask yourself, what do I want and how do I get to this place where I don't just want it, where I know that it belongs to me and I can really go after it?
2: I think it's, yeah, I think this is really interesting, especially because I feel like so much of everything that you're saying is really really rooted in common sense. But then you bring this element of like the universe and the vibration into it, which I'm imagining some people will be like, oh, well, forget it. Like now we're just going down into the woo-woo shit. But I think yeah. that that... I well, think- first of
0: all, I apologize for the woo-woo shit. But, you know, as somebody who coaches big teams at billion-dollar companies, the woo-woo shit is actually very easily explained in neuroscientific terms. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're not talking about the new woo-woo shit. We're talking about laws of physics. Right. We're talking about belief. Is, yeah. The law right. of attraction yeah. is just like the law of gravity. It applies to you whether you like it or not. We are actually all composed of energy. In fact, everybody listening today is aware of the fact that we are being transmitted by radio waves. <laughs> and those are particles of energy, as is the intelligence intonation of my voice. And so if we can just wrap our heads around that, we start to understand that we're vibrating and we're always vibrating at a certain level. So we don't need to get into the semantics of that. You just need to understand that your intention does matter and your thoughts do matter. Right.
2: Which I think that's, that is the hugest part of all of this. It's like, I'm by no means suggesting that it's woo-woo. I think i completely understand and believe that this that this kind of universal attraction force is is real based on exactly what you said. So can you just say that last piece again?
0: Well, what I like about it the most is the understanding that your thoughts do matter and that your intentions do matter, your vibrations do matter, and here's why it matters. It matters because you start to understand that nothing happens suddenly and you have created everything in your reality. And I mean everything. Now, why is this a good thing? To even say to a rape victim, to even say to somebody who has lost a child. The reason is because if you understand that you can control the degree to which you experience your reality and how you're experiencing your life, you also have the control to change it. You have the control to get up again. You have the control to to be a role model for others, you have the control to steer your destiny to the next level. And it's really just asking yourself, do I want to feel powerful or do I want to feel powerless? And blame, resentment, um, destruction, stealing, competition are simply from a powerless stance, not from a really powerful stance. They just can't stand.
1: It makes sense when you think about, again, just going back to the you know, these sort of negative thoughts that people have, and sort of how everyone is comfortable in their miserable kind of mindset. And just having like a very negative mindset because it's, con- you know, they have control over it, right? Mm-hmm. It's sure. sort of, it's this place of yeah. comfort because they can control it. So, by that logic, you can also control the other side of that. Right. You so absolutely you can. can. You know, nothing happy. has taught us you more control, about that.
0: Yeah. Nothing has taught us more about that than the studies in placebos. Dan Ariely, the other brilliant Israeli, aside from me and you all know Harari, (laughs) Dan Ariely is a behavioral economist who has made very famous the studies in placebos. And we know that this is such a basic thing. Somebody gives you a sugar pill, tells you you're going to feel better. You feel better. It's the exact same thing in the opposite. When somebody gets a diagnosis, depression, SIBO, whatever, they immediately start operating as Mm. a person who has been diagnosed yeah, and this is very detrimental. Becomes their identity because if you can actually start to focus more on your wellness rather than on the condition, on your wellness rather than condition, you will live a very, very different and very much more vibrant life. I have, apparently, according to my doctors, terrible asthma. So what? I still go to Soul Cycle. I love Soul Cycle. I'm not missing a class for anyone.
2: <laughs> and you haven't had an asthma attack since, right?
0: No, I'm pretty good, thanks. <laughs> yeah, it is.
1: It's it's the, it's very logical but it's really hard to follow that logic it's hard to yeah.
2: yeah it's hard to adopt I think you need to make it part of a daily practice an, an
1: endeavor yeah and you have to work just as hard so if I start practicing this, it's worth it hey <laughs> how do I practice it just very tangibly and yeah. then how, how how long until
0: I can see some results Well, thank you so much for asking that question because you're letting me do a little sales pitch. The first and (laughs) foremost thing, look, I always say join the spiritual gym, right? At the end of the day, this is exactly like a regular gym. This is a practice. When I tell my clients, if I quit doing the things that I do as part of my spiritual gym practice for three weeks, I'd go back to being a curmudgeon. They don't believe me, but I would. Negative patterns of thought are things that have been practiced for a very long time. They have enormous momentum and they're just like a person who didn't work out before and then started working out, you're just going to revert to your back basic body type. So you do need to stay in the spiritual gym. And here are the critical things that I recommend that everybody does every day, every week, and every month of their life. And they're very, very simple things. Number one, sleep properly and take good care of yourself. Believe it or not, we are human beings. We are in physical bodies. And if you don't actually take good care of yourself, you're going to start having physical issues. The second is meditate. I know that so many of us out there think that we have very fidgety minds and that we're the only ones who can't stop our thoughts. But the truth is you're the one who's buying into that. There are enough books out there, resources, YouTube videos about meditation. There, It does not get easier than sitting in a chair and doing nothing in life. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> so just practice that until you get there because it's super simple and it's a game changer to do that every single day. Everybody has 15 minutes in their day to do a quick meditation, even a guided meditation. And if you say to me, Karen, I don't have 15 minutes, I'm sorry, but you're doing something terribly wrong with your life.
1: Right. And can I just add something to that? Yes. To the people who think that they can't sit still for 15 minutes and everyone loves to say it. And I, I think that there's something weird in our culture where we're we're saying that like it's some kind of badge of honor. Right. Like our mind I'm is too just important so, to sit still. so active and operating on such a higher level. And I'm so busy and important that I couldn't possibly quiet my mind or even try to do that for five minutes.
0: I think that there is some weird ego in play. Of course it is. And that's busy is the new black. Right. But... Think about it. Um, First of all, if you just look at this statistically, in 1947, when the Bureau of Labor started to assess how many hours we were working, Americans were working 43 hours a uh, a week. Today, they're working 37 hours a week. So we're actually technically as a society working less. And number two, we're actually much, much less productive if you look at Bain and McCain studies and others. And here's the most interesting thing about that statistic. Well, where are those hours going? Why are we still not productive? It's because most people are checking their phones 150 times a day. That's Mm -hmm. a Deloitte Tush number from last year. That's a real number. real number. Most people are spending two hours a day day on social media and or dating apps, which aggravate the condition. And number three... We are also spending about 25% of our day looking at email. So when somebody says to you, I can't find 15 minutes, well, you know what? Maybe spend a little less time on Instagram. You'll be just fine. Everybody can find 15 minutes. (laughs) No
1: one's going to miss you. No. And
0: and it's (laughs) also not chic at all. It's the exact opposite of chic or the exact opposite of uh, really a person who controls their own mindset. Because if Warren Buffett can make a few hours a day to read and to just think, so can you. And that brings to the third point, which is read. I take enormous issue with people who say I don't have time to read or I don't like to read because it doesn't make any sense to me. To know that there's a vast available universe of knowledge mm-hmm. that is readily there for you, whether for free on or on Audible or through Amazon or in other people's bookshelves is just craziness. It's, an, it's a wild way to live. Well, because we've entered into this era now where we have
1: placed so much value on doing instead of like thinking. Right, so there's just like this constant. Like, if you're not in motion, actively doing something, if you're not responding to an email or writing an email or fielding a call or doing something very physical, then you're not doing anything. You're not accomplishing yeah. anything. So unless I think you ask
0: yourself the question, how's that working out for you? It's not
1: working out well for anyone. I it's would not really argue. Out well so, for anyone. right, there has to be a carve out in your day where you can actually process yeah. thought and like think through things. Right. Um,
0: Everybody today wants to be a successful entrepreneur. Everybody today wants to do something really significant with their lives. No one has done so by doing. No one has done so by working really, really hard. That's a flash of an idea. It's, the hustle culture is a complete myth. They've done so for moments of inspiration. And moments of inspiration can only come from moments of clarity. Mm-hmm. And moments of clarity can only come from moments of quiet. Mm-hmm. Quiet deliberation, real reflection, real dialogue with other human beings, real dialogue through a book. You'd be surprised at how much doing is going on when we are at rest. Right.
2: I mean, and that's the whole principle, even of allowing, like children, for example, stop over scheduling them, let them be bored, because from boredom actually comes creativity. If you don't have that moment where you have nothing else to focus on, then you're not going to allow all of this information you've just absorbed to actually get absorbed and used purposely.
0: You don't want to get me started on how kids are being raised today and why that is completely and directly related to the extremely high suicide rate that we are seeing in teens and oh, those under the God. age of 25.
1: Okay. If I just told you what my <laughs> kid's schedule was this weekend, you would probably be horrified. Well, let it's them be bored.
0: It's a lot. Let them be bored. What? Remember the moments when we sat in our house? I used to look at Madonna posters and imagine my conversations with her. And those were wonderful times. We had a great, great conversation, me and her. And the last thing I'll recommend for the spiritual gym that it really is the biggest game changer because most people, if you just layer on meditation and reading onto an already dirty floor, you have negative patterns of thinking. You don't really know what you want. You're unclear. You're not going to get there by yourself. And I always say, clean out the house before you bring in the fancy new carpet. And that means get coached. That's what we used to say about um, getting a colonic and and blueprint. So
1: same, 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 It's a spiritual colonic. (laughs) But it makes total sense. You don't want to
0: pile on crap or or anything will translate as crap if you put it on top of crap. Yes. Yes. But a trained seasoned coach can see every little issue that you have from a mile away and can really help you very, very fast get through this.
1: All right. What's my biggest issue? You've been picking up my vibration
0: now for the past 40 minutes. (laughs) I have been picking up your vibration, but I haven't I've had the joy. I've been watching you pick up my vibration. I haven't had the joy of asking you specific questions. And I know, I'm just Any guess would be snake oil salesmanship at this juncture. I would not. I'm just Plus, I'm she kidding. needs the quiet
2: time to actually process all the Plus, information Plus, you're always in absorbed.
0: confidentiality when you are with a coach. Oh, don't worry. No one's listening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Nobody's listening. I don't know.
0: Know. I don't know what Erica told you, but.
2: I want to keep talking to you forever and ever, but we have to wrap it up. So,
1: Can I know you, I really could just. I mean, but then you'd probably start charging us.
0: <laughs> What's more interesting than talking about happiness and about you getting everything you want? I just can't Literally imagine nothing. what is.
2: Literally nothing. Literally nothing. So, okay, then we'll turn it back on you. And for you to get everything you want, let's talk about your fantasy dinner party and who is invited and what are you eating? Because those are all the things that will make you happy. I love that. And bring that. you joy.
0: I love that exercise for a, a reason that I first want to explain why visualization is so powerful. Visualization is so powerful because it really raises you to the frequency that allows you to see that as your reality. Meaning for most people, you know, the biggest uh, fear that's related to being afraid of validation or how will others see me in my life is the I'm not worthy or imposter syndrome. I don't belong here. I don't belong with these great, great, amazing people in this beautiful house, rocking this beautiful life, getting everything that I possibly could ever want. We just don't feel deserving of it. But if you can start really getting comfortable with those images in your head, when they do appear, you're going to still be pretty comfortable with them. To this end, I always recommend Mindy Kaling's Why Not Me? Because if a person like her, who truly talks about being an Indian in Hollywood, against all standards, still killing it, it, was, it came because she had seen it in her head. She had seen the conversations with the directors. She had seen the success. Mm-hmm. She had seen all of that manifest around her. And then, of course, when it appeared, it didn't feel unfamiliar. She wasn't afraid of it. She just charged forward. So in my head, I have not only continued to have conversations with my Madonna posters on the wall, but I've also really thought about this a lot. And I, I go through phases of obsession, but there are a couple of constant obsessions over the last decade. And so my dinner party would include the one, the only Esther Hicks, the greatest coach who ever lived. There is not a coach alive who doesn't follow Abraham Hicks, especially, of course, the voice of Esther Hicks. The second person would be Yuval Noah Harari, who is the author of Sapiens and the recent 21 mm-hmm. Lessons for the 21st Century. Because I think if he wasn't gay, I would marry him. <laughs> He's I got so sapiens. flipping awesome. And finally, Madonna. And I think that the reason I'd like to have a conversation with him is because most of us are really, um, at least three of us are health conscious. So there would be like a vegan meal, something <laughs> nice and, and good and easy to digest and uh, proper that is not hurting the environment or the animals of our universe. And I think we just have a really good time because they all have a phenomenal sense of humor. They're funny and they're smart and we could learn from each other. And that would be a great, great dinner party. Obviously, Ryan is cooking, not me. <laughs> Ryan is my partner, and he's also there because he makes everything better.
1: Oh, Aww. Ryan, you lucky dog!
2: Ryan, Madonna's the lucky dog at this party. Oh, Madonna <laughs> would
0: have a ball. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, all right
2: then. Well, I'm sure she's listening. So, <laughs> totally, yeah. Your mouth to God's ears,
0: Zoe. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, you manifested her. So, I've already met It her. is done. We have the same rabbi. Really? Yeah. And so does Marla Maples. Interesting fact. That is an wow. interesting
1: who knew. <laughs> We're gonna have to switch our dinner party question up to like who's your rabbi? Who's your
0: rabbi?
2: <laughs> oh my god, amazing.
1: Well, thank you so much for this. This has
2: been fascinating and fun. Yeah. Thank
0: you guys. Mm. This is a lot of fun. I really hope that everybody out there got a couple of things that they can really start using and exploring. And maybe even either pick up a great book like You're a Badass or The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People or look into coaching. It look will into to your coaching life. with Karen. Yeah coach karen next available spots in june (laughs) oh boy (laughs) okay well thank you thanks you guys This is a real pleasure thanks for listening to
2: htw if you like what you hear please subscribe and make sure and rate us on itunes you can even give us five whole stars if you think we deserve it if you have ideas for guests or topics you can call our 1-800 number Yes, we have a 1-800 number at 800-674-1839 or holler at
1: us on social at htwpodcast. You can also head to our website at htwpodcast.com for more episode info and check out our Daily Blend blog to see what we're drinking.